Let me pray. Loving God, as we reflect on the realities of the world around us and much, just so much that is disturbing, troubling, help us to discern your purpose, your presence, that we may be not only faithful and obedient, but may be, in your grace, instruments of your mission and ministry. Help us in our own neighbourhood to be that presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we uh, launched a series, we're running between now and Advent, which is the beginning of December on discerning the way ahead, looking to the future pathways and possibilities, or even more importantly, the, the doorways that God has opened for us, but may not remain open for all time. And we are first and foremost seeking to be a people of prayer as we seek to discern what are those doorways, what is it that God is calling us to, and giving us the freedom to choose or not. And as we do so, we seek to be guided by what is revealed in the Bible, by God's purposes, God's mission. And as I flagged last week, the first, sorry, the last Saturday in November, on that Saturday morning, we will gather for prayer and for a discernment of some of those future possibilities, those future directions. It won't be the, uh, the detailed plans for next year, much of that is already um, coming together. Nor will it be the, any sense of a master plan, but a sense of what those next steps might be in a significant way. And today I want to focus a bit further on the notion of the mission of God understood as the God who gathers. The word gathering actually is the same word for church. Ecclesia means a gathering. And throughout the Old Testament, God was gathering together a people, his people. And the purpose for that was that all nations should be blessed in and through those people. Last week, I um, introduced the notion of the Missio Dei, the God who is a sending God. God sends himself into the world. And I just want to pick up that quote that I had um, from David Bosch, the uh, South African missiologist, that is uh, this wonderful quote. God is a fountain of sending love. This is the deepest source of mission. It is impossible to penetrate deeper still. There is mission because God loves people. God loves the world. This is the character of the God that we worship and we praise, a missional God through and through. God cannot be anything other than a missional God driven by that deep well of love. Sometimes it's the smaller words we overlook that contain some profound significance. And in particular, when it comes to that uh, very significant verse, Genesis 1.26, as a, uh, um, not the culmination, but a um, 
gets to the heart of the nature of the first creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1. God said, Let us make mankind in our image and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every moving thing that moves upon the earth. Now, on other occasions, and I've explored that, or what it means to be the image and likeness, we've seen how that is to be about God's work. It's not an open license to do what we like with the world, but to go about uh, working and bringing that to a fruitfulness in a responsible way as God intends. But what are the little words that we might overlook in that passage? Two little words. Let us make humankind in our likeness. The God of creation, this one God who from the opening verse of the Bible, in the heavens God created the heavens and the earth, slips into a plural pronoun. It's a cryptic reflection and it becomes clearer as we go further into scripture. Because we recognize that this one God is revealed, is at work as what we otherwise known as the Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God at work through three energies, three entities. It's very hard to find the right word. In fact, there is no perfect word for it. But that foundational truth, our one God of creation exists in perfect community. And those words, let us in our, gives a little window into that reality. What we see in there is a profound principle that within a diversity, and on another occasion I've explored a bit further how the Father is not the Son, is not the Holy Spirit, each has a distinctive identity, Yet there is a oneness that binds the three together. And that is the mystery of the Trinity. But what we see is that the, it, right into the very being of God, there is a dis distinctiveness, a diversity held together in unity. And that is the God who's at mission in a very diverse and messy and chaotic world, bringing about a unity and a harmony. Just what that mission is, is summarized profoundly in one verse in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And again, on another occasion, I've mentioned this, so I'm just going to remind you of it that in Ephesians chapter 1, one long section, verses 3 to 14, is all one sentence. Lying at the heart of this sentence is a profound statement of God's mission. With all wisdom and understanding, God has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment, when the time is right. What is this plan of God? What is this purpose of God? And then this one sentence, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. There we have it. 
This is what God's purposes are. God's ultimate mission plan has been revealed. It is no longer a mystery. Revealed primarily and fully in the life, the death, the teaching, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus as a plan for the fullness of time to bring all things in heaven and on earth together in Christ. God is a gathering God and is doing that primarily through his son, Jesus. And the spirit is the agent of that mission. So we see this principle that, yes, there is a diversity, but that diversity is held together in a profound unity. What we'll see in a few moments is that there is a cultural and a a diversity of nations who retain that distinctiveness but are brought together in a profound unity. And that unity is established primarily and only profoundly through the person of Jesus. It is one of those truths that gives me hope and it gives me a centre to my faith because I honestly believe that there is no other name, no other being capable of gathering together the diversity we see in the world than the person of Jesus. And there is very profound expression of that in our own day and age. That unity bridges together heaven and on earth. It's in our Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven being the dwelling place of God where the character of God totally shapes the environment and all who inhabit it. And the desire is that that will become true of the earth as much as it is in heaven. Big truths indeed. But we have that real world reality check. If I was to say to you, but God, have you seen the news? And sadly, for all generations, it's all too familiar. The words that we characterise, whether they are local or whether they are global, is all too often characterised by division and fear and separating people off at at a distance and the desire to create our own enclave and keep others out. And sadly, that has become a big part of the rhetoric of more popularist leaders. How does this mission of God work in a world characterised by those realities? That was the reality in the first century, the world of Jesus. The biggest challenge in the early church was the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. So much so that uh, there was a council in Jerusalem when it was seen that God was at work, the Spirit was at work bringing Gentiles, non-Jews to faith through Jesus Christ. And the question 
was, a, was the primary question that drives much of the New Testament. Do the Jewish, sorry, do the Gentile Christian believers need to become Jews to come to faith? Live like Jews. Peter and Paul had a major confrontation that's recorded in, in uh, Galatians chapter 2 in Antioch where Paul rebuked Peter for being a hypocrite and saying you're teaching a gospel of unity through the name of Jesus Christ but you're insisting that the Jewish Christian believers be over there and the Gentile Christian believers be over there. And Paul says that, is, that cannot be. That is not God's purpose and intention. That great divide is what's picked up in our second reading, or well, the first reading we had in Ephesians chapter 2. Over against this, this driving question, should not those two be kept separate because of the distinctiveness of the Jewish people? Remember, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He knew this world. And again, he goes back to God's mission plan, God's purpose. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, the two being the Jewish people and all the other nations. And Paul says the role of the Jewish people, the people of Abraham and all who followed Abraham, is to be a blessing, is to be a gathering point to draw all other nations in. God's purpose is to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. This is the driving truth that we see reflected in the New Testament. We used to say that's not so much an issue in our world today. Sadly, it is all too real. Paul continues, Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far away, that is, all the Gentiles, those who are not Jews, and peace to those who are near, the people of Israel, Jesus' own people. Through him, we, have both, we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Consequently, Paul goes on, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, that's talking about all nations, but fellow citizens with God's people and are also members of his household. And he goes on to give a whole range of other metaphors for what that looks like. Can you see just how profound this mission of God is in the world of Jesus with all its suspicions and divisions and separatism. It's picked up in the, the, uh, the vision of Revelation 15 that we did have as our second reading. Revelation takes a step back and looks at the big picture and asks, where is God at work in this world? What does it mean to be faithful, to be courageous in the midst of a a pressing time, and it's a time when there was fear of persecution breaking out upon the church. And the big picture of what God has ahead. Who will not fear you, O Lord? This is the heavenly choir singing, singing down from heaven upon the faithful upon earth. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? 
for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. This is where God is at work, and God continues to be at work. So what does this mean for us in our own day and age? I came across this this morning, Fiona and I were listening to Lectio 365. It's a, uh, an app we use, many of us actually now use, want to know more about it. Like we, Fiona will be very happy and others to tell you how to find it. And as we're sitting there, and I was just thinking through, how was I going to finish the sermon? Then this paraphrase from Eugene Peterson in the message, put it like this. Just close your eyes for a minute. Just listen to these words. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behaviour from your parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us but to give everything of, of himself to us. Love like that. Isn't it powerful? That's what guides us in where our future lies and what God's calling, God's purpose is for us. So what does it look like in this world of all its rich diversity? It's not trying to make everyone else like us. It's not saying that there is one default culture, one form of dress, even one rugby team that you have to follow. In the midst of all that rich diversity, there is the capacity to gather together only through the work of Jesus if we are to participate faithfully in the mission of God is for us to be a people and a place of gathering. That is what the word church means, to be a gathering point. So our reflections, our discernment, as we look forward to where to from here for St. Matthew's, what might we consider that will take five and ten years perhaps, to really develop and to bed down and to create. There are three things, two themes in particular, but one truth that follows on from that. What might we do to be a community-building people? Not just to have contact with people, but to build a sense of community, of being known. It's God who said to the unformed earth creature in the second creation account, it is not good for this unformed earth creature to be alone. And God created a corresponding, a companion partner within that. It is in the DNA of what God has created. It is not good for us to be alone. Back in 2000, 2001, as we mark the 150th anniversary of St Matthew's. Where did those 25 years go? 
And we also had the opportunity to contribute or seek some funding from the uh, Federation, Centenary Federation grants. We did a um, reflection. It wasn't a full survey, but it was more of a reflection on our streets and asked what was one of the biggest needs in our neighbourhood. And what we identified at that time was a sense of aloneness. We have people in some cases very significant homes but with a profound sense of aloneness, of disconnection. And we ask ourselves what might we do to bring about a sense of connectedness, to enter into people's homes and to be an assistant. We did the mobile maintenance ministry. But our desire was to be that community-building church. And so it continues, that sense of people feeling alone, of just not having the people who know them around them, is something that we can do. That's what we are as a church. And to be a culture-making people, culture in terms of the environment in which we live, culture-making in terms of being people of encouragement, people who have time to sit and to hear people's stories, who have time to set aside our own preoccupations and to tune into other people's worlds and to be available. That is all part of culture-making. And the truth is that we do that not just as a community and association, not just as, uh, you know, it's a good thing to do and it is a good thing to do, but to do it through making disciples because that needs to go within us, not just out from us. It's how we seek to reshape our hearts and our minds and our passions and our ambitions, our sense of what it is to live well, live rightly before God in Jesus. That is the future that we need to sort of aspire to. That can sound theoretical. We need to translate that into some reality. We do it already, but I think we can do it more intentionally. We can do it even increasingly, not just as we gather on a Sunday, but throughout the week to be a gathering point for our community to have time to get to know people's stories, to get to know people's names, to have a sense of being part of a people and a neighbourhood where you are known and loved. I'm going to finish with a powerful piece, going back to the horrors of the past two weeks in the Middle East. One of the truths about uh, love is that, again, Paul puts it quite starkly. What God asks of us is to let our love be real and hate evil. The two go together. It's not a benign thing. But in the midst of that, how can that bridging of all nations be reflected? And I'm going to show a clip in a minute um, of a, a gathering. It's a group called uh, One Israel. They're a Christian group based in Jerusalem who are comprised of uh, Arabs and, um, and Jews and other nations who gather together. And they have a series where they model their shared faith through their shared praise. So this song is a familiar one to us in Christ alone. 
It actually picks up exactly what Ephesians 2 talks about. In Christ alone, but you'll hear it in Hebrew and in Arabic and in English. This was filmed, um, I think, about six months ago, um, but they've been doing it for a while. These are a community that, as we see this, let us just silently pray for the people in that area and especially for the Christians in that area, that they would be courageous in their desire to be a people of one people before God.